0: This is Oscar Linhas And you're listening to That's What She Said
1: That's What She Said Episode 103 Costume Contest Wow, that is really hard You really think you can go all day long? Well, you always left me satisfied and smiling So
2: That's What She Said (laughs) Suicide doors on my 57 Chevy Roll around town Like a hero
3: I got you on my
2: mind,
3: just like all the time, pedal down, nowhere to
4: go. I just
1: can't and welcome to episode 103 of That's What She Said, a podcast about the Emmy Award winning NBC show, The Office. As always, I'm your Human Resources Coordinator, Matt Summer, and this week we're going to be taking an in-depth and spoiler-filled look at the sixth episode of season seven, entitled Costume Contest, which originally aired Thursday, October 28th, 2010. Happy Halloween, jerks. When Blackula goes behind MacGruber's back, or was it takes him from behind? With an idea for corporate, Michael vows to defend the chain of command at all costs. Friendship be damned. Meanwhile, Jim and Pam are still obsessing over Danny Cordray. Halpert, you looking for someone to bang your wife? Gabe Wad dances, Andy and Kevin choose sides, Oscar gets rational, and Angela, O-M-F-G. Oh, and uh, that's what she said, listeners. Don't tell me when I said anything to you, or you're dead. Lots to discuss, lots to talk about. Let's head on over to the water cooler.
3: It's a real shame, because studies have shown that more information gets passed through water cooler gossip than through official memos, which puts me at a disadvantage, because I bring my own water to work. Why'd you do this? I didn't do it. Oh, the water cooler was brought over here
1: for maintenance. So, what do you guys hear? What's the scuttlebutt? Oh, grade Ouija board. Tell me what is the best word that we can use to describe our co host, our traveling salesman, our office manager, Kevin Crossman? A.
4: S. S. H, no, oh, E, T, an asset.
1: Oh, he is quite the asset. Kevin, what's going on?
2: Well, Matt, uh, we're nor- normally we record on Sunday nights, and we're recording this week on Tuesday, a little bit of a delay, um, so this episode, of course, is late in getting out, but... Course, Sunday night was Halloween. Uh, couldn't record because I got invited to a party, and you know, I don't get invited to that many Halloween parties, so <laughs> kind of had to go.
1: Yeah, well, maybe maybe we'll go next year, I guess. Yeah, and speaking of it being Tuesday, I don't know, you guys, you're going to have to forgive me a little bit. I, uh, I did enjoy this episode on Thursday. I thought it was a, a decent recovery from the dud that I thought the sting was. Um, enjoyed it. But uh, right now, I'm kind of in a bit of an election night funk. So uh, pardon me if I'm a little downbeat, I guess. But uh, not old Kevin. Kevin's sitting high out there in California, smoking a big fatty, praising <laughs> the legalization of marijuana, hopefully, at some point. But uh, yeah.
2: <laughs> Well, and even more so, I loved this episode of The Office Costume Contest. Of course, it had a... Great cold open, one of the best cold opens, I'd say, ever with Stanley. And then the rest of the episode, I thought, was a really good balance of the sort of jokey, let's have fun type of stuff. Cafe Disco kind of being the prototype there versus some of the plot stuff. And we'll talk about implications for certain characters like Danny and Daryl and what's going to happen with them and some good Michael moments in that plot line as well. So overall, I think it was a very well-balanced episode that I enjoyed a lot.
1: Well, i got to agree with you on one thing there, Kevin. I'm on record as usually thinking that the cold opens are garbage, not funny. You know, looking at last week, Michael crashing the bicycle twice. uh, Not nearly a smile cracked my lips. However, this, i got to agree, this is the funniest cold open I've probably seen in I don't even know how long. Since season three, two, who knows? Uh, it, It seems like it's been a long, long time. Since we've had quite the hilarious <laughs> quite the hilarious cold open, so really, very funny, everyone getting in on the gag, good old Stan the man, totally <laughs> oblivious, and it, it might have started to stretch credulity, just a tad, but uh, I think they pulled it off, so very, very funny two minutes there to start off the episode, I agree
2: yeah, probably one of the best sort of straight cold open since maybe faxes from the future. And that was, I think, season two or, or season three. <laughs> yeah, I think. he was,
1: uh, Jim was in uh, in the other office. So, yeah. Right.
2: And of, I mean, of course, stress relief, the whole fire thing, but yeah. that's a sort of a different deal. I was a deal, fan but... of that one.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> anyway, very yeah. funny, very funny stuff here. And let's uh, let's go in and talk about this again. I guess you you really enjoyed it, obviously. For me, I guess I, this is one of those ones for me where I I think I really enjoyed it. On Thursday, but the more i 've seen it uh, after watching it two or three more times, it sort of slipped a little bit down uh, in in my ranking it, i mean there 's nothing necessarily wrong with it. there are some good gags, uh, although some of the stuff after several viewings did sort of start to get to me a little bit. You know, for one thing, really, is the office that stupid that they're going so crazy over a coupon book?
2: Well, yes, but then there's also bragging rights, which I think are <laughs> an important consideration. Well, here. if
1: that was the case, that would be right. But they're just constantly—they're like, "Oh my God, I want that fifteen thousand dollars."
2: Maybe times are tough in Scranton, and all those coupons will come in handy at well, the, down at the Steamtown Mall or someplace like that.
1: Well, you're right. Um, there's actually a pretty funny deleted scene where Oscar flips through it and tries to find actually any good coupons in the book. And he can't
2: yeah, they have a Dunder, Dunder Mifflin coupon in there. <laughs>
1: yep, exactly. Five percent off. Just call Stan the man. Like I said. Uh, <laughs> So, okay, I'm, I'm being the guy. I'm being sort of like the little devil on the shoulder here because you enjoyed it so much. Uh, and I'm right. nitpicking. I'm, I'm right up front saying that I'm nitpicking things out of the episode. So that the, that idea, I mean, it was a kind of a good idea, I guess, a good motivator, but it seemed a little crazy. And I got to say, Kevin, we talked about this last week that, uh, you know, Kristen or whatever from EW is talking about how this uh, – you know, oh, Daryl's going to be the new boss next year. This episode with that whole thing with Daryl being the new boss just felt so flat to me. I mean, the the basic plot line was okay, but just this idea of them setting him up to be the boss or to be this guy. Correct me if I'm wrong, but this isn't this the same guy that like four months ago refused to go to the employee management training program because he wanted to play softball
2: yeah but see now he's, he blew his knee out so now he's got no hope for that anymore okay so, so suddenly the next phase in his life
1: so suddenly he's all like oh you kept me down you never promoted me man i got all these ideas uh it's never been part of the character in the last seven years has he ever come across as a guy that was a climber that wanted to get ahead um, so it just, it rings a little false to me, and I'm hoping that this is going to be kind of a red herring here, um, you know, as far as what's going to happen. Daryl leaves the episode with this really ominous sort of, yeah, yes. man, I got big plans for this company. So what does that mean? Who knows? Um,
2: well, I, I would agree with you. It's definitely better be a red herring, because the, the <laughs> he would be awful as the boss in the office, and not because... Craig Robinson's a bad actor or anything like that. But you need to have somebody who's at odds with the other employees, or at least many of them. Mm -hmm. I mean, that started with the original Office on British uh, TV, and now it's come to the Steve Carell, Michael Scott character. You need to have somebody who's got some antagonism, and somebody who would be the kind of guy that most people like and respect. That just won't work. Uh, We'll talk later about whether Dwight would be a good fit in that role either, but that's why I still continue to hold out hope. Somebody like Todd Packer, who, interestingly enough, they continue to remind us that he does <laughs> exist. He would be better because he would have that adversarial relationship with Jim and even Dwight, Yep. That, other salespeople.
1: That could be true, uh, although I, wanted, I do want to talk about Packer's inclusion in this episode. I don't know what you felt about it. I felt that it was really weird because they set up that conflict the last week that last right. line with, oops, I forgot about Packer. Um, here he is in the office, but he really says and does nothing. Uh, he has one or two lines, kind of funny, but he really Hi, doesn't have any... I mean, he doesn't have any uh, influence on the plot. None of the stuff with Danny is brought up. None of the, you know, why is he actually there in the first place? He, I mean, he, it's good to see him, and it's funny to see him. He has some good one-liners, but he really is not in any way essential to the plot. Now, I i mean, is no. he going to be in the show again next week? Is he going to kind of be sticking around for the next few weeks, uh, the two of them in the office together and kind of working this whole thing out? I don't know. I guess I felt, to me, that he was a little superfluous, I guess, in this
2: episode. Certainly. And, and if they don't follow through on that, oops, forgot about, Hal, uh, forgot about Packer, they, if if they don't follow through on that, then I agree. But assuming that they do follow through in the next week or two, then the fact that he's here provides even more of a reminder that these guys are running in parallel with each other. Although it was kind of a funny moment in the conference room, and um, when Packer makes that comment about Gabe, and he, <laughs> and then what was it Gabe Wad, yeah. and then. Um, you see Danny repeat it. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty funny. It looked like those two guys were on the same page with each other.
1: Right. Yeah. You know what? That is one of, one of the weird things. We talked last week about how we didn't necessarily think that Olafant was a good fit in, uh, in the office, and maybe he was a little weird. But actually, I thought they had pretty interesting chemistry. Uh, that is one positive thing that I I, I, th- I got out of this episode, and I mean, I did like it. I did laugh at it, so I, it's overstating a little bit, but one of the things, I, I thought they did fit in. I thought with all of them kind of hanging around, it had a very uh, Christmas party, Secret yeah. Santa kind of vibe to it, where everyone's sort yeah. of just hanging around and kind of talking to each other. Um, I, I thought he fit in fine, like you said right there. Um, he was sort of that cool hipster guy, now all of a sudden he owns his own bar, and all these kinds of things in there. So uh, I, I don't know if that's maybe he's just too good to be true. And again, if this is going to play out with that thing we speculated on last week about how he gets his sales, that there's some secret uh, dirty trick or something right. involved with it. So I guess we'll see. But I, I don't know. I thought he – I like the dynamic with everybody. You know, I noticed kind of that he's, like again, kind of the too-cool-for-school guy, the only guy in the office actually this week that didn't dress up in a costume.
2: Right, right. He's the new Jim.
1: <laughs> uh, and speaking of Jim, let's talk about something else that I liked. Because you and I both kind of poo-pooed on this whole love triangle thing last week. Yep. And it, it, even even at the beginning of this episode, it was still a little forced, uh, the fact that they're so obsessed over this whole thing. But I felt that it did really... it, it That kind of hackneyed, cheesy plotline led us to a very nice gym moment. A very nice moment at the end where he mans himself up and gets over himself for being such a pussy and a punk for the <laughs> last like six years of Halloweens with the three-hole punch and the I'm Dave and the Facebook and that lame crap. And he finally mans up for his wife and his kid and uh, puts on the Popeye suit. So I thought that was it. was a long road to get there. And I hope that they're going to drop this. I swear to God, I hope this is dropped. But it uh, <laughs> was a great moment.
2: If if the couple episodes we've had of this whole drama, love triangle thing, if that's the payoff and then we don't hear about it anymore, perfect. Just fine. They they gave us a purpose for that whole plot line with, like you were saying, the really excellent payoff there and even some of the Jim Pam moments along the way as, as well. So, I agree. That was another one of the plot lines I really enjoyed in this episode.
1: Yeah, I got to say I'm not uh, a big mushy sort of guy, but yeah, uh, little baby Cece dressed up like Sweet Pea. Mm -hmm. That was an adorable, adorable outfit. Uh, I was never a fan of Pam and her Charlie Chaplin slash Hitler costume uh, (laughs) in the previous seasons. Uh, so I, I, I thought that the olive oil was, uh, was, <laughs> was cute, it was adorable, it was a nice little family outfit, and it led to one of the, I actually think one of the funniest lines <laughs> from Dwight, like, oh, very funny, dressing up like old Mrs. Schrute. <laughs> 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 so, uh, d- uh, kind of a funny line. Another little insight into Dwight's crazy family. Uh, so I did enjoy that. Now, I still, I still really just don't know what I think about this whole Daryl Thing. Um, I mean, did you think that the plot line resolved itself between Michael and Daryl? Did that make sense to you, the way that played out?
2: I think so. I think that Michael now sees Daryl as a leader within the office the way he looks to Dwight or Jim and sometimes to Andy. And so now he understands that Daryl has got to be one of his go-to guys because he does have good ideas and he has to learn to work with him. Um, that he's been blessed by corporate for not just his earlier uh, promise, but now delivering on some interesting and new programs. So I I think that did pay off. And if they have a little bit more of a brotherly relationship um, in terms of like when we see Michael go to Daryl for advice and that sort of thing, and it's less adversarial, I think that'd be all right.
1: Yeah, I mean, who were we supposed to side with in this episode? Were we supposed to side with Daryl? Are we supposed to side with Michael? Because I got to say, you know, I'm the Michael guy and he's the character that we've been with all this time. I sided with Michael. Daryl as a character, maybe because they keep changing him around, just mm-hmm. feels really hollow to me. I don't know who he is. I don't know where he's coming from. You know, this was the guy who for three or four years was just a total asshole to Michael every time he came down there. And for good reason sometimes, you know, when Michael knocked the, uh, all the shelves over or what have you. I mean, you know, fair cop. That's fair enough. But, um, you know, then he did the stuff with the Rays where he had, you know, made fun of his lady suit and he passed his uh, Jan Jamaica Sun Princess picture around to everybody. So he's kind of a dick and he's sort of that guy he never, you know, and I don't know who he is now. This last year or so, they've really, we've talked about that, that they've really tried to sort of wimpify him a little bit or uh, Mm -hmm. kind of make him maybe more fit in the office and these kind of little asides that he likes show tunes and whatever, different things. Um, So I don't know. I don't know who he is or where he's coming from in this whole, man, you never believed in me thing. just seems like he came out of left field.
2: I I don't know that you needed to root necessarily for or against either of those two characters. I think it just, it was. (laughs) Uh, Sometimes it clearly is set up that you want to be rooting for or against Michael, and then there's a twist. But in this case, I don't know that you needed to have that if anything, it was just still kind of ways to get back at Gabe by the end. <laughs> and that seems to certainly be a recurring theme here as well. Yeah. And, and, and God, if I never see Gabe in that outfit as Lady Gaga again, it'll be too soon.
1: Well, let me talk about that Lady Gaga costume, Kevin. Now, I know that you're not a watcher of community, uh, but no. I am. And this the way that the schedule was on Halloween, or on the 28th, You know, they played that Shrek thing, and then they played Community, and then they went right into the office. Well, on Community, they had this, you know, really kind of effeminate sort of, you know, hinted at being homosexual dean of the Community College. And Mm -hmm. gee, guess what costume he was wearing, Kevin? He was dressed up like Lady Gaga. And then we get into the office, and Gabe is dressed up like Lady Gaga. And it seems so lazy to me. And that's not, I guess that's not the office's fault, uh, but I guess, you know, I don't, maybe they don't communicate with each other, but it's like, oh, same joke at 7.30, uh, same joke at 8 o'clock. I was a little disappointed, actually, I have to say.
2: I thought for a while he was going as Edgar Winter, but...
1: <laughs> yeah, well, that would have been... I, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's maybe great minds think alike that they thought it would be funny, you know, to make the kind of geeky sort of gayish looking guy dress uh-huh. up like Lady Gaga, but uh, I, that was... It, the pairing those two together back to back really uh, was a flop, I think, for me. So, The Office suffered. I guess if I would have watched The Office first and then Community second, it would have been a different story. Um, but I mean, that was that was okay. I guess that's in the zeitgeist. You know, that's like that's what people are talking about these days. That crazy Lady Gaga on her meat dress or whatever the hell other crap that she comes up with so fair enough but let's just run down the list i guess of the people in the Mm -hmm. office so we already talked about gabe michael's dressed as hilarious nbc owned property (laughs) mcgruber
2: hey have you seen that movie it's terrible
1: i have not the sketches really
2: it's it's as bad as you have heard the
1: sketches themselves are like a minute and a half and they're kind of terrible so i can't imagine 90 minutes but uh, is that coming out on DVD sometimes? Yeah, <laughs> I rent
2: it on Netflix. It's 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 terrible.
1: Okay, so there you go. Michael is uh, a MacGruber. I guess that fits his personality, though. Yeah,
2: he's a little too late to that trend party. Yeah,
1: so Jim and Pam, as we said, dressed up as Popeye and Olive Oil, Stanley as uh, Samurai. That kind of came out of nowhere. Meredith, now here's a weird thing, Kevin. I don't know if you picked up on this or not. Uh, I spent the first few minutes trying to figure out who Andy was supposed to be. And I thought at first that he was supposed to be some kind of, like, uh, Twilight vampire guy. But then I, I was really proud of myself because I was in the chat room and I'm like, Oh, he's Bill from True Blood. Oh, and then it did turn out to be that's who he was dressed as. But the weird thing is, why on earth was Meredith dressed up like Suke from True Blood? Would they organize that? Did Andy and Meredith organize that together? Um, they, it just it seemed really weird. That you would have the guy and then like the love interest, both of them dressing up as those characters, yet having no uh, (laughs) at all relationship between the two. So that was kind of strange.
2: Well, like you said, great minds think alike, maybe. (laughs) I don't watch True Blood, so those references went over my head.
1: Well, I I, I saw the first season, so I haven't seen any other ones, but I did get those. Kelly, at first, dressed up like Snooky, and then goes home and changes into some weird... Toy doll thing mm-hmm. I don't really know What that was supposed to be um, yeah. What about Aaron did, did you think that Aaron Was just totally Criminally underused This
2: episode No I, I mean she wasn't Well she was used More than Meredith was I don't think Meredith Had a line this whole episode or even Ryan, I didn't even get his Justin Bieber reference at all. Um, I thought he was just some sort of hip hop guy. But anyway, I thought she was all right. You know, kind of funny. The well, mask. Was well, what funny. about
1: the costume? I mean, was that did that work for you? That running joke of her hiding her face for the entire yeah. episode.
2: Yeah, that worked. All right. And, you know, the, the, the bobbing for apples was funny too. So
1: yeah, that was a, that was a kind of a funny line. I mean, that was sort of we're getting into kind of the weird Dwight Shrewdish crazy. Aaron is insane category, which we've talked about before. Uh-huh. Um, but did you think it was weird that she and Gabe didn't try to do any costume connection?
2: Eh, that's all right that they didn't.
1: <laughs> I, I guess. It, it, it seemed like something that they could have done that would have really made Andy feel even worse uh, about the whole thing. It was almost like you could have had a totally different actress I wonder if uh, if she was like busy or something for a couple of those days, and so they just hired someone and put the rubber mask over her face.
2: <laughs> All right. Well, we had Creed was a mummy. Uh, Kevin, I liked Kevin's costume as Michael Moore. That was yep, pretty good.
1: That was pretty good.
2: Uh, the Oscar, what? Well, I guess he had two costumes, right? The disco guy and the rational consumer. Well,
1: I, I, was there anything you have to more? say it
2: with the you have to say it with the fingers? The air rational. quotes.
1: Yeah, was there any, I mean, was was that disco guy supposed to be someone specific or just a 70s guy? Of. I don't know. Yeah, you're right. And then the the little sweater vest, and he's just so proud of himself with that, you know. I'm the rational consumer. Oh, yeah, I heard you tell that to Phyllis. Yeah, that's a good line. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so that was kind of funny, of course, that he ends up winning the contest. Now, Phyllis was some kind of a judge did you catch who Bob Vance was supposed to be?
2: I couldn't tell. He was wearing sunglasses, but if that was about it. It was really yeah, hard to see. He had
1: sunglasses, a suit, uh, sideburns, and it looked like he had a gun holster under his coat. So I, I have no idea.
2: <laughs> Maybe a gangster or something? Who he was
1: supposed to be. Um, and then, of course, your dear friend Packer, as we said, the pregnant nun. Very classy hey, costume.
2: <laughs> hey, Matt, you forgot a key character off your list. I wonder if this was a uh, Freudian slip. Toby uh, Flenderson as the
1: hobo. Oh, Toby is the hobo, of course. And
2: you forgot to put him on your list. Yeah, yeah. and I
1: also didn't put Daryl as Blackula. I mean, Blackula, yes. Dracula. That's actually a, a joke that I swear I've heard several times other places. Yeah, uh, the black guy always dressed up like Dracula.
2: Yeah, and then uh, of course Dwight is the Str- Scranton Strangler, which <laughs> again we're kind of there's another one that we're kind of being reminded of upon that, again, hopefully we'll get a payoff for at some point. You know, I was
1: talking to some people in the chat room about that on Thursday, um, and I I was thinking that it's just really weird, because in the first five seasons of The Office, they never have done a joke like this that's just run through the show. Um, it, It has no payoff. It just they keep throwing it out there every once in a while, you know, and and here it is again. We totally, it's like they totally forgot about it and then they just keep, now they're dropping it, plopping it again and again. And I was was talking with people in the chat room, like, are we really wanting, is there going to be a resolution? Is this going to be just something that they go to for the occasional gag, like every once in a while?
2: Well, I read a spoiler that indicated that this person, this strangler would... Be a major component of a upcoming plot um, thread, mm. but looking at the episode, uh, you know, coming up through the end of the year, uh, I don't see any. I don't see that coming up. So it's going to have to be into I don't know, whatever January, February, before we maybe <sighs> get some resolution there.
1: Man, well, I've got a, I've got a new theory for you, Kevin. This is all fitting in with what we talked about. Danny Cordray is the Scranton Strangler. I'm going to uh, say it right here and right now. Smile on his face. He's a traveling salesman. He, We said that he has some weird twist to him. So that would be a way that they could make it a major character or a big plot point and still have him be gone because he's just a guest star. So I'll throw that out there. <laughs> it's
2: a good theory.
1: So, I mean... Look, I know. Like I said, I know that I've been really critical. I've been the the nitpicker guy all through this whole thing here. Um, I, I really did enjoy the episode for the most part. It was it was much sol- more solid than last week. Uh, I know that we're gonna read some feedback. That we finally got some people that said they liked this thing. Uh, but uh, I'm you know very lukewarm against that episode. And this was a good cold open. Lots of good laughs. Some uh, you know some decent plot development. The stuff with Daryl in there, I just do not like at all, just because I don't like the the direction that they're mm-hmm. taking. And I'm definitely hoping that it's not going to be the case that uh, that he is the boss, because as you said, just is uh, very boring character. Definitely doesn't does not have what it takes to fill Michael's shoes. So hopefully, just a red herring.
2: So let's talk about the credits for this episode. This was written by Justin Spitzer, who's written eight episodes of The Office, including Body Language, Shareholder Meeting, Michael Scott Paper Company, Moroccan Christmas. So that's kind of similar.
1: Yeah, if you look at that list of episodes, uh, again, some of those I really enjoyed. Michael Scott Paper Company really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. Costume Contest I enjoyed. Um, Wasn't a huge fan of Body Language, not a big, huge fan of shareholder meeting, and definitely not a huge fan of Moroccan Christmas. So, yeah. so up and down again with uh, Mr. Justin Spitzer, and this was directed by Dean Holland, who has only directed two episodes of the show so far: uh, this one, costume contest, and the duel. So, um, <laughs> just thinking of Andy sneaking up to kill Dwight in his uh, Prius. Kevin, I'm surprised before we get into talking about the clips, you don't want to mention anything about uh, Miss Angela Martin here?
2: Oh, that's right. How could I forget the best costume of the episode? <laughs> <sighs>
1: yeah, holy cow, man. I mean, we, we've, we talked about that before, the schizophrenia of Angela with uh, the prim and proper. Then we had the seed model. And uh, really, holy shit. Uh, Angela Kinsey, hot as a pistol in that nurse's outfit, so very, (laughs) very arousing indeed, and uh, as she says, man, she knows what sells. And I'm buying. (laughs) You and me both, my friend. All right, let's go ahead and get into the different plot lines here. Now, I broke it down into two main plot lines, really the Michael plot line and uh, the Jim and Pam plot line here, so uh, let's go ahead and get started with... Michael's story. So, what's going on here? It is Halloween, and Michael is stoked.
0: A lot of people are really getting into Halloween this year. Six seconds, MacGruber. Pan's got a lot of fun stuff planned. Two seconds, MacGruber, including a costume contest and bobbing for apples and a Ouija board. Oh, boom! Oh, explosion, MacGruber!
4: People are really into the costume contest this year. Might have something to do with the prize. Maybe you've heard of it. The 2011 Scranton-Wilkes-Barre Coupon Book, worth over $15,000 in savings.
3: Stop. Too late. If I was the real Scranton Strangler, you'd be so strangled by now.
1: If you're out there, Strangler, you will get caught. By me. <laughs> theres uh, I-, I didn't have this in the clip, but I actually thought this was a pretty funny line where... <laughs> Uh, After this, Jim says something like, oh, you're really pushing hard uh, to try to make us think you're not the Strangler. And he says something (laughs) like, oh, to my chickens, I'm the Scranton Strangler. (laughs) Yes, that was pretty funny.
2: (laughs) It was also interesting in that scene that he directly addressed the camera. Mm -hmm. Uh, Kind of an unusual move there for Dwight. Yeah, I Maybe he protests too much.
1: (laughs) He's getting the word out. And I liked his, kind of weird, his Scranton Strangler, I don't know... His costume—it was sort of like this Green Hornet sort of outfit, or like the Spirit, or something—a little fedora and mask.
2: Yeah, it was a cross between the Green Hornet and the Hamburglar from McDonald's.
1: (laughs) 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 Ah, Robble, Robble. So there's the setup. Now I got to say, I was thinking about this before Kevin, and uh, you know, I did enjoy this episode, but I think I do have to say that I think it's my second favorite Halloween-themed episode of The Office. Going back to the, of course, the classic. Season two Halloween episode. Does it bother us at all? Does d- is it even something that we're thinking about? That we're at a point where none of these costumes seem remotely sort of realistic that people would actually wear to an office.
2: Hey, Matt, I don't know what office you're working at, but <laughs> none of these costumes stood out as being more elaborate than than reasonable.
1: Really, in in an office setting, I guess I'll just
2: tell you, I, I was up. Uh, Late last Wednesday, because we had this contest in our office where the people on one half of the floor had to decorate all these cubes, and we built a whole set with the Lion King and you know water running waterfalls and all kinds of stuff with you know trees and vegetation. So it it occurs. Let's just put it that way.
1: Wow, I got to get a job in the public sector, man, or <laughs> I got to get a job in the private sector, I should say, because. You know, in the public school domain, let me tell you, there is no joy in Mudville. We are uh, we're sad, sad people, and very few people dressed up, and very few kids dressed up uh, either. You so. know, it,
2: your high school doesn't have a little hot costume parade like they do
1: in uh, elementary school. No, no. <laughs> they they had sometimes they had a Halloween dance. It's kind of weird, I guess, the way the schedule broke down. That we had teachers' convention last weekend, Thursday and Friday, so they weren't technically there, you know, in school for Halloween. But very low brow, nothing going on, so very, very, very low key, I guess. I'll take your word for it. That uh, (laughs) when you make the big bucks, you can go crazy with your Halloween costume. So, in any case. There's the thing. Michael is very excited. Everything's going really well. Uh, good old Gabe as Lady Gaga calls them all into the office for a new sales announcement.
3: In case you can't read my, my, my poker face, <laughs> we will be reviewing our sales policies. I have ten seconds to explain them or this whole place blows up.
0: Magruba! Lame. <laughs> Why don't witches wear panties? Oh, here we go. <laughs> uh, because they need to grip the broom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, who likes to water ski on Lake Erie? No, what? Where does Dracula like to water ski?
3: Lake Erie. When our warehouse workers make deliveries, they're going to be encouraged to offer clients extra products, and then they will split those commissions with sales.
0: Wait, so drivers are going to be able to sell paper on that the road?
3: That is correct.
1: Has anyone started calling you Gabe Wad yet? Not here, no. Gabe Wad.
3: <laughs> okay guys fun is fun but
1: yeah so uh, not here
2: <laughs> not here
1: <laughs> uh so somewhere sadly in the past I, does this whole I'm- idea of these guys selling paper i mean that's the linchpin of this episode does that make any kind of sense to you whatsoever
2: well given that Mifflin is selling to kind of smaller businesses that maybe build up a relationship with the driver and Madge or whoever and those people that are interacting directly with the drivers can make purchasing decisions i would say this is fairly plausible given you know the small type of business that they're in <laughs> would not fly in a sort of bigger kind of company purchasing situation
1: yeah i mean that was kind of my thought they talked about even when they were trying to pitch the guy last week where Michael's saying like, oh yeah, I hear you're having problems with delivery. We can deliver on weekends and all this kind of stuff. And I'm just imagining like the warehouse guys be like, "Uh, hey, other warehouse workers, you need any more printer cartridges? (laughs) I don't know. So a little bit of a weird thing, but okay, fair enough. That's the big idea. And um, what I kind of like about this, I guess, here in, the reason why I mentioned before about it as far as whose side is Michael on, or you know what side are we on here? Michael is just a very gracious guy in this whole situation. He hears this idea, he instantly recognizes that it was Daryl's idea. He's instantly guilty that he didn't pass it on, that mm-hmm. corporate took it, and he is. You know, he even says, you know, I'm going to take the bullet. I'm going to call in. I'm going to make sure they give Daryl the props. And all this stuff. So he's just very, very, like, you know, a very nice, happy guy for his buddy Daryl. And uh, he's got a message for all the racists out there. Daryl Philbin
0: is the greatest guy in the world. And you know what I'd like? I would like to have all the racists brought together and take Daryl Philbin out to lunch just to see what they're missing. This whole delivery slash sales idea, you know who's that was? That was Daryl Philbins. He thought of that way before the corporate fat suits. So what happened? I got in the way. I said no. But then corporate comes up with this idea. But you know what? They need to know that it was yours. And I don't care if I take a bullet. We're going to call them. We're going to put them on speakerphone right now. Uh, And we are going to straighten this out. Screw corporate.
3: They probably stole the idea anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, corporate stole nothing. Okay, Daryl brought this idea to me, and then I told them, giving Daryl full credit, so I need to screw
1: corporate.
3: Everyone, let's give Daryl a round of applause as planned.
1: So I like that, uh, you know, they're kind of inciting a little riot there, Andy's all fight the power. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know, get uh, get those guys, and uh, and Gabe steps up. I think... We talked about Gabe maybe taking over as being the boss character, and that's—I think he still fits into that role. He can still play that, you know, the awkward, goofy, bumbling sort of guy. So here he fits that perfectly.
2: Absolutely, and this is exactly the way they should be using Gabe. No, 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 no. You know, but still <laughs> kind of that, still very weaselly about the whole situation. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think that was great. Very effective use there.
1: Yeah, and we've speculated before about his position, but it's obvious here in this episode that they've laid out that hierarchy that Gabe is sort of Michael's boss, or at least the gateway between Michael and uh, Saber.
2: Yeah, probably he has no authority over the other people in the office, um, but clearly is, is the, you know, the in into corporate there at Saber. So, yeah. <laughs> That's definitely got to be his position now.
1: Mm, and uh, the new sort of villain, I guess, that everyone can gang up on.
2: Well, he's the new hes the new David Wallace. You don't have to hear him on speakerphone. You can go into Annex and talk to him.
1: <laughs> yeah, hopefully if he's not in drag, at least. So that's really the big root of the whole conflict. Daryl put his idea forth without telling Michael what he was doing, went over his head, um, instantly gets him sort of upset and again like i said he was he was trying to be the bigger man and everything and it sort of just blew up in his face uh and he found out that he'd been backstabbed and so he is not very happy he's not taking it lying down and dwight is there to pick up the pieces
0: I'm a little peeved at daryl right now he went to get behind your back no he didn't go behind my back he went over my head he went over your head to go behind your back what is taking someone from behind?
3: No, shh, Michael. Listen, this cannot stand. We can't have workers going straight to corporate. Makes your job superfluous. What was a good idea, though. Yeah, here's another good idea. Corporate chain of command. We need to strangle
1: Daryl's idea. <laughs> so the strangler, again, coming back to that motif. Uh, Kevin, I don't know. It, you know, we're going to play the deleted scenes in a little while, but I actually really really enjoyed, there's a scene in there where Dwight and Michael try to do a little skit in the office to try to convince people that this is a bad idea. And I thought that was pretty funny.
2: Uh, I thought it was okay. (laughs) Glad they cut it.
1: Well, I don't know. I thought it worked pretty well. uh, Because it, Michael really doesn't have much support from the other people in the office. And I mean, that's kind of the thing that he does is to try to win people over on his side. You know, the only way they can kill the idea to strangle it uh, is to get everybody to get against it. And that's kind of, that line doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. You know, we need to strangle Daryl's idea because they cut all that stuff out where Michael tries to sabotage it.
2: Well, you got a sense that he was uh, resistant to the whole idea later when, when he had the conversation with Daryl and Gabe. So, I, again, it's one of those. Like I said earlier, I think the balance of the episode was well put together. You know, this is the a plot, but it was an a plot that was a sixty forty split as opposed to an eighty twenty split. <laughs> yeah, and that's I true. Think that that's all right.
1: That's true. I, I mean, Michael is on the war path. There, he's very upset. He's very paranoid. Everyone's plotting against him. Uh, everyone's going over his head to corporate <laughs> to talk to Gabe. And this, I think, has to be probably one of my favorite scenes from the entire episode Michael sees Kevin back there talking to Gabe and he has had enough
0: what the hell are they talking about Mm, Kevin and Gabe probably about the extremes of the human physique do you think Kevin is going over my head I don't oh my god okay all right all right all right you know what that's inappropriate Kevin I am your boss and if you have something to say, it goes through me, and then I take it to Gabe. Chain of command, do you understand? I am so sorry. Are you sorry? Yeah, I just thought... What did you just thought? Well, Gabe asked me if there were any really cool Lady Gaga moves that he could do for the catwalk. And so then I told... All right. I told him that there was this one cool move where she powers down like a robot. Okay. Okay, but I am I, so sorry that All I right. didn't tell you first. Well... Don't let it happen again.
3: You think that I would let this happen again? No way, Jose!
1: (laughs) I'm... F*** you, Gabe. (laughs) (laughs) So that was, I mean, like I said, that was one of my favorite big laugh lines. Uh, And then Kevin's capper there. (laughs) Gabe tries to put his hand on his shoulder or something. (laughs) Fuck you, Gabe. (laughs) Uh, Very upset. Kevin had a couple of really weird lines this episode he had uh that whole line where he's talking to danny about how if you tell him we're gonna kill you <laughs> kind of yeah, a really creepy line uh andy looked at him really strangely uh and, and that again that was pretty funny <laughs> in his michael moore outfit basically brought to tears by michael's yelling so very good line
2: that was one of the most hilarious scenes in recent memory it's too bad brian Gartner can't stand a chance at the Emmys for that something like that. But.
1: <laughs> oh they gotta beef him up, man. Maybe uh Kevin will be the new boss. See that would <laughs> that would be full of opportunity <laughs> Uh, oh,
2: we can fantasize
1: Yep, see, they need to pay us, Kevin uh, Okay <laughs> So there's this, uh, Michael, obviously, then he feels even worse That he's made this mistake He's made Kevin cry, he's very upset So he's just gonna go and take it right to the source Confront his supposedly, you know, supposed friend, Daryl And, uh, and let him know how he feels about this whole thing
0: Okay, this whole going over my head gate Is making people act weird Chain of Command is crumbling. Do you know what just happened? I just made Kevin cry. And Gabe looks like Lady Gaga. That's not Halloween. Halloween should be a day in which we honor monsters and not be mad at each other. I'm not mad. Are you mad? You went over my head. And then you lied to my face. So my head and my face have taken a beating. Well, I'm sorry if it seems that way to you. Okay, that might help. If you said I'm sorry in front of everybody, in front of me. You made a bad call. And I fixed it. So I'm not apologizing. So that's it. That's it. Is it?
1: Yes. There you go. Confrontation again. Daryl sort of comes off as I don't know. He's he's kind of the mean, kind of dickish guy in that scene.
2: No, he's not being a dick. He's just holding his ground. He did the right thing. He fixed it. <laughs> you know, Michael coming in all over the top with the over your head gate. I mean, come on. Sometimes, you know, that's the thing about Daryl is he knows what Michael's game is and he knows how to play it cool and let Michael sort of, you know, burn himself out. And then by the end of the episode, he's got Michael back where he wants him.
1: Well, I suppose there's one thing that this could do, though. I just thought of this that, um, I mean, it could turn out that this idea ends up being like a total disaster and uh, and then Daryl gets himself bumped. Back down or demoted or something like that, rather than being an upward sort of trajectory. You never know. Depends on Madge, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Madge is out there pushing those sales. <laughs> She's a handsome woman, that Madge. I did enjoy that, though. Michael and his use of the word "gate" at the end of that. There, very, very contemporary <laughs> for scandal
2: Uh uh-huh
1: well pam then uh you know they're kind of getting ready for the party they're going along she introduces the idea of the costume contest and kind of explains the rules and uh and here's sort of where it started to kind of feel a little bit like secret santa to me where uh michael once again steps in and sort of ruins things for everybody
4: Okay, everybody, after you walk the runway, everyone has to vote for who gets the coupon book, and you can't vote for yourself.
0: Pam, can you vote for other people? Hey, okay, I gotta get in on this. <laughs> hey, it's cool. Man, I work in the warehouse. I'm cool. I'm hip and I'm jive. but I don't care about nobody. Do you know who I am? Happy Halloween, jerk!
4: Michael, this is a bad idea.
0: What's a bad idea?
4: Dressing up as somebody... I mean, when has that ever worked for you?
0: Never! Okay, you know what? Fine. I'm not Daryl. And thank God I'm not Daryl. Could
3: you, for once, just let us enjoy a party instead of making it about all your issues?
1: So that kind of a a little bit of a meta line there, commentary on the commentary of the show. Uh Um, Can't you just let us enjoy the party? Uh, Michael does sort of, and we've said this the last couple of weeks, it it came across to me as a little bit of maybe a maturing uh, slightly That he actually did stop. (laughs) When has it ever worked for you? Never! (laughs) Okay. He takes the wig off. Uh, You know, he kind of admits that this is a dumb idea. But he's still really upset and he still feels hurt. So he's not quite sure uh, really what to do.
2: Yeah, I think that that, you're right. That He is maturing. But it's still you still have an opportunity here to get, you know, just a taste of the old Michael Scott when he pulls out, you know, another character. And it was interesting. We'll talk about it later. Kelly with the voice of reason in that scene. Very interesting.
1: Ah, <laughs> uh, that That's even a dumber idea. Every idea I hear about who's going to be the boss seems dumber than the last. I gotta okay. say. But well, okay. Well, we will discuss that later. Michael still just can 't deal with this. he has to get some kind of resolution uh his his maybe I think the the reason why this is hurting him that much is because he does feel like he's been betrayed it 's not for him just business you know it 's personal um Daryl is his buddy, so this is even a double whammy that he got backstabbed by his buddy. He was ready to give Daryl all the credit, so again, kind of a triple backstab sort of thing uh, very upset so there's only really one thing for the two of them to do go in the back room and sort of try to negotiate it out with Gabe
0: next time you have a really great idea we will put it in a hat and then we will have Aaron pick it out of the hat and let her decide I don't understand the point of a hat you're right we don't need a hat I am not budging on the hat issue okay
3: <laughs> we're gonna table the hat question the best ideas are gonna come to me I make the final decision period
0: Okay. We both reserve the right to go to Joe if we disagree with Gabe.
3: Okay, fair enough. Why don't we simplify this?
0: Daryl brings it to
3: Michael. Michael brings it to me. No one calls Joe.
0: Unless you and I decide we want to talk to Joe, then we'll give her a call. Cool. All right. Sorry a lot. Sorry. I'm
1: here. Friends fight. Friends fight. Touching little moment there, Kevin. I guess the two of them actually apologize to each other. That's, I guess that right there is sort of the moment where I wasn't really quite sure I bought into the change. Um, is it just that they had a common enemy with each other? But then why would Daryl be against Gabe? Because Gabe was the guy that took his idea, right? So it seemed a little weird, I guess, how it played out.
2: Well, I think that, I think that both Michael and Daryl think... Or know that they have a friend on the other side of Gabe and Joe. And so they want to reserve the right to be able to go straight to her for things. Since both of them feel that they've been touched. By her in some way, right? Yeah, and so and again, get the good adversarial relationship here with Gabe. Kind of no, no, we don't need to go with her. You know, I (laughs) I like that aspect of his character. I don't love the whole relationship with Aaron thing, but that part I really do like.
1: Yeah, so the Weasley kind of uh, (laughs) kind of goofy guy. I agree, and I guess it's just kind of a throwback to the whole original idea (laughs) that Michael was concerned about Daryl going over his head, and Gabe was trying to stop that. Well, now. All of a sudden, the shoe's on the other foot, and they're going to go right. over Gabe's head. So now he doesn't like it at all. Michael is kind of put back in charge <laughs> as the next person under Gabe. So things sort of resolve themselves. They work themselves out, at least for Michael. Now, here's the weird thing about this plot line. Now, that would normally be the end of the plot line. Michael yep. got what he wanted and that would be then you'd get the voiceover with Michael saying well we learned a lesson about friends or whatever um, but no we don't get that we get this weird kind of coda here between Andy and Daryl in the office very cryptic sort of future plan prediction sort of thing very strange
3: sometimes it seems like it was better down in the warehouse you know
1: when I was a freshman
3: in college I worked at the student newspaper the Cornell Daily Sun this is at Cornell I had to write an op-ed column every day, Bernard's Regards. This was your freshman year. I started to ask myself, do I have big plans here? I didn't want to become editor of that paper, so I got up and walked right out of Walter Bernard Hall, and that's actually when I heard eight male voices singing unencumbered by instruments. I was hooked. So is becoming
1: CEO of this company your acapella group? Come on, we're going to Danny's Bar, public
4: school. Nah, I got some work to do. I do got big plans at this company.
1: So there you go, very very cryptic. Uh, do you have any predictions as to what that's going to mean?
2: Well, they certainly laid it out that he's in line to be the company, or the, the branch manager here, and I think that they're going to lay a bunch of these out uh, throughout the year, and then hopefully there'll be some sort of, Kind of resolution at the end of the at the end of the season where they say, "Well, but it could be Daryl, and, you know it was sort of like the the, the job when everyone was interviewing, mm-hmm. and you, you had all these different threads, and who would get the job and you know it ended up being Ryan. and then of course, it made so much sense afterwards we didn't really see it coming, so you know maybe we'll get a bunch of these kinds of things together, and you know that is going to make this season interesting I mean that's one thing this year that we don't haven't ever had in the past is we know for sure that something big is going to happen right. because Carell is leaving the office. And we've always wanted these big moments, especially after season two when Jim and Pam kiss and all this kind of stuff. Um, now we're definitely going to get it at the end. I mean, <laughs> get your hankies out, guys, because it's going to be a tearjerker that season finale. So, Or
1: it could be like um, the ultimate punk job where they actually say, Oh, I was just kidding. <laughs> I'm coming back again. <laughs> right, that would be so, a very good twist. I, I'm just, so
2: so. We'll see. I, we we're, neither one of us loves this move, but as a little thing that's sort of thrown out there, and then maybe something happens, like you were saying. Maybe the sales thing doesn't r- really work out. You know, that's all right as long as it doesn't go to the next level and the next level after that.
1: Yeah, that's true. I'm. I'm just, I guess I'm just not happy with any of the candidates that we've seen put forth so far. Uh, but you know, maybe in practice, maybe if I get used to it, maybe, maybe I can finally one day warm up to old Daryl Philbin. But uh, I don't think so. <laughs> ah, well. So in any case, there you go. I, I did like some of the stuff in there. Andy hitting the Cornell hammer pretty hard. Uh, but just you know, <laughs> I walked right out of Walter Bernard Hall, and <laughs> that was
2: hilarious.
1: <laughs> yeah, you were the editor as a freshman. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, props to Andy for uh, for walking out of his guaranteed family legacy career to uh, the world of Here Comes Trouble. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and get into the Jim and Pam plotline. And as we sort of already alluded to, starts off with Pam dressed up as olive oil, uh, trying to get good old Jim to participate in a Halloween costume. Oh, oh that's very funny.
3: Looks like someone decided to dress up as old Dwight Schrute's mom. What? You're only one third as beautiful and about half her height.
4: I am supposed to be olive oil. And it makes more sense when I'm standing next to Popeye, but Jim doesn't want to put his costume on.
3: I am Popeye. I've never really been a costume guy. Even when I was a kid, it just felt like something I was too old for. <laughs> and then this morning, Pam hands me this little number. No.
1: So kind of a you know, a quick little clip there, but sort of Typical Jim, we get those flashback scenes of his different costumes over the years and his uh, <laughs> holding up the big Popeye student. Mm, no, not going to wear that.
2: Well, it's easy to sympathize with Jim on this one. I mean, Popeye is not exactly the hip pop culture reference <laughs> as he used to be 50 years ago. And really dorky in certain circles. We'll talk about that D word later. But, you know, So it was nice to see the flashbacks, especially considering the payoff for later, like you mentioned earlier.
1: Yep. So all this kind of builds up to a lot of stuff with uh, they're in the break room. The other people in the office are still talking about the whole Danny and Pam and, well, is Pam going to leave Jim? And, you know, Creed has that stupid line where where he's like, oh, shit, be quiet, here she comes, and then says, hey, have you heard about that Danny situation or whatever? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Right to Pam's face, and that gives her a look at the camera, and so she and Jim are uh, quite upset as well, and so they're not really understanding it, but they're going to fill us in on, uh, on what's been going on in case we didn't see last week. So four years ago when I was in Stanford, Connecticut... And dating someone else mm-hmm. Pam went on two dates with Danny Which was obviously the greatest love story ever told Given how much people are walking on eggshells around us
4: We were basically Romeo and Juliet That's right Except where Juliet doesn't have that great a time And Romeo doesn't call back after two dates Yikes But I've learned to love again He's a cartoon sailor oh, no. And he looks so handsome in his uniform Please No, no I'm
3: not gonna, know. I am never gonna forget what Danny did to Pam I forget nothing I'm like an elephant in that way. You know what else? This this sucks for Jim, right? But it also sucks for us because we don't get invited to a ton of Halloween parties. Yeah, and, like, everyone's going to be there. Stanley, Phyllis, Angela, Daryl, Creed's a maybe. Creed's going?
1: <laughs> so, again, that doesn't make really a whole lot of sense. We already said that last week that Andy... You know, Creed liking his song was instantly reason enough for him to think it sucked. But, uh, but here he is. I mean, that was a great line. I can't begrudge him that.
2: The Creed's a maybe. That should be on a t-shirt or something.
1: <laughs> Creed's going? Oh. Yeah, we didn't really talk about that that much. But uh, our old friend Danny busts out the thing that he has a bar. Right. Um, I wasn't really quite sure. Oscar sort of says, oh, that's very clever A+. Plus. Um, I wasn't sure if he was being sarcastic or if he really thought Danny was cool or if he or had kind him, of, yeah. a, you know, uh, a crush on him or something. But, uh, uh-huh. <laughs> but so there you go. He invites everyone to the party. Andy and, you know, Kevin, they get it into their heads somehow that they're picking sides between Jim and Pam and Danny and they build well- up this whole big thing.
2: And I think that this was the key part of this plot line, was that it wasn't just Jim and Pam rehashing and rethinking and all this other stuff, but the fact that all the other people in the office were sort of making too much out of it. We know that these guys have nothing to do but be focused on anything but work. And so it is, I think, fairly believable that all these guys would get themselves up in a lather about this situation uh, and help nudge Jim and Pam along to try to get some closure on the issue, so to speak. I think that you know, If it was just them going through the motions and all this different stuff, then it would have been a little too forced. But I like the way that they put this all together.
1: Yeah, so that builds up and kind of builds up a little bit more, and that's lurking in the background, the thing between Andy and, uh, and, and Kevin and... Danny and like I said they kind of go up and confront him and they sort of say yeah Jim and Pam begged us not to go and all this kind of thing and they build it up a little bit more Um, you know here's I just threw this clip in here because this sort of part of this plot line with the whole costume contest um, everyone's going so crazy over this book uh, and uh, Kelly will stop at nothing to get her hands on that wonderful savings guide
4: (gasps) Kelly Great costume. Oh. Kelly, you cannot change costumes in the middle of the day. Pam, she's out. Um, if I'm out, I'm going to
0: sue this entire company for discrimination.
1: Guys, you're arguing over a 1 in 16 chance, over a prize worth 40 bucks. Um, 15,000 bucks, Oscar.
0: Yeah, shut it,
4: Oscar. Pam, this is an amazing prize. I mean, I don't even want to give Pam a compliment because she's so ugh, but she did a good job. I really want that coupon book.
1: (laughs) Kind of a return to the old classic bitchy Angela that uh-huh. uh, that we haven't seen in quite a while. So n- nice belated slam, I guess, on Pam. But she's got to give her props. Man, that coupon book is hot stuff.
2: Well, this was a good scene also with Angela because she's protesting against the rules and changing and all this kind of stuff. And so then, of course, then that pays off when she changes her outfit later.
1: Yes, that is exactly correct. And unfortunately, this is an audio podcast and we cannot see the wonders that that
2: costume will hold. (laughs) But Matt, can can you promise me that Angela will be on the album artwork for this episode?
1: Uh, just for you, Kevin. I'll have her cleavage. That'll be the entire <laughs> the entire album art right there. <laughs> That's a uh, promise. <laughs> so uh, Jim and Pam, I mean, again, they're getting a little obsessive over this. They're stalking Danny. They are waiting for him outside of the john. <laughs> um, and this builds up on, because Jim has sort of asked him some questions like, you know, what's going on here? Um what's the problem why did you not call her and he makes up a story well i lost your number well but you called her the second time well the truth is she talked about you uh and then pam denies that she talked about him so really he's a dude just what the hell is the reason why you never called us back and he finally finally spills
2: do you honestly want to know why i didn't call her back on a date over four years ago
1: hey. she had a nice time it seems rude
4: i did yeah, and it's one of those things that's just going to keep gnawing at me. Like, no, nah, no, nah, why? Why didn't he? I have no idea why.
1: Okay, honestly, I
4: didn't call you back because I thought you seemed a little... dorky. Hey, man. Thank you. Thank you. I got it. Now I know. You thought I was a little dorky. Ha, da, da, da. Okay. Well... Excuse
1: me. Maybe. To be honest, I still can't believe he didn't call her back. Who doesn't call a dork like that back? Oh,
3: oh, wow. Spinach in a can. Powerful spinach.
1: Aw, yeah. yeah. oh,
4: my hero. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so there's the payoff to the scene that we talked about. Very satisfying, you know. Jim steps up, he, he realizes, he appreciates. His wife, he finally lets this go. He realizes that Danny is just a dumbass. Although, you know, to to be honest, I think they really did play up Pam and Jenna Fisher doing some really kind of weirdly dorky things Uh (laughs) in this episode, like... Uh, she has a couple of strange turns of phrase and some stuff like at the beginning of the episode, yep. she's kind of like, "Well, why didn't she ever call me back?" or some strange little thing like that. Um, so you know, maybe it was a little bit over the top to think that she was a dork. But uh, Jim comes to appreciate his wife. He wears the Popeye costume. All is right with the world.
2: Yep, and a good Silent Live reference there. Steve Martin, excuse me.
1: <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, there's only one more clip of this whole thing left, and let's get to it. Oscar, during this whole thing, has been going around. He's been telling everyone how stupid they are. They're getting their hopes up for this book. It's worthless. It's terrible. It's horrible. He has the gimmicky little joke costume in the air quotes, the you know the, the, cons- the responsible consumer whatever his gag is, and uh, much to his surprise.
4: Okay, everyone, I've tallied the votes, and the winner of the costume celebration spectacular and the Scranton-Wilkes-Barre coupon book, Oscar Martinez. If I have to vote for someone,
3: I don't want it to be someone who can beat me.
2: Shake things up. I'm a
1: Nader guy
3: best edward james almost costume i've ever seen like freaky good
1: (laughs) so another good creed line to end the show um another douchey ryan line
2: (laughs) i kind of like that you know i'm a nader guy and I, I, i really was hoping to see all you know like the end of survivor they show the little confessionals of who you voted for i would have loved to see like a deleted scene with everybody voting and saying why they voted for whoever (laughs) i think that would have been kind of fun i I hope that they put that on the dvd or something
1: well oscar is the people's choice so he takes home the coupon book uh (laughs) sad enough for everyone else
2: that friends is what you call irony we need to strangle daryl's idea Come
0: on, they're drivers, not salesmen. This is a terrible idea. Enough! This is what we're doing. We're doing it. You know what I think? I was working in the
3: lab late one night When my eyes beheld an eerie sight For my monster from his slab began to rise
1: Let's go ahead and play the deleted scenes. There were actually four deleted scenes, and uh, Kevin, you had a little bit of a problem finding them, I guess.
2: Well, yeah, I normally go to Office Tally, but they didn't have them. And uh, Matt, you were smart enough to go to NBC.com and to look for those deleted scenes, which, of course, last week run Office tally Oh, <laughs> the, the links that we go to for paying yeah, attention. You're to the right.
1: Office. Now, like I said, I referred to before that I thought that a lot of these scenes were pretty interesting. The first scene between Dwight and Michael. Pretty funny, enjoyed it. Uh, some kind of freaky Toby stuff in here, though, definitely. We need to strangle Daryl's idea.
3: Come on, they're drivers, not salesmen. This is a terrible idea.
0: Enough! This is what we're doing. We're doing it.
3: You know what I think? I think corporate's trying to get rid of the salesmen altogether.
2: Sounds like corporate to me.
0: Unless the sales staff rises up, we're doing this. And you know what? I don't care what you workers think, because you don't make the decisions. Corporate does. If you can use theater to teach people about the dangers of rent in the gay community, then you can use theater to teach this office that this idea has got to go.
3: In our little play, I will be portraying the likable working man who hates the idea. And
0: and I'm- I will be playing the man. I will be playing... The guy who thinks the idea is great because all I care about is the almighty dollar. I am the villain.
3: Hey, man, I'm just trying to make a living here.
0: I'm just trying to make an honest buck. Why should I give up 50% of my commission? Listen, man, you'd only be splitting commissions on sales you wouldn't have made otherwise. That's
3: a good point.
0: So would you rather make 50% of something or 100% of nothing? 50% of something. There you go. Booyah! (laughs) But 100% of nothing is not too shabby.
2: I was a little skeptical about the idea, but Michael made some good points. <laughs>
0: hey, Carol, this package came from you. I think it's from right.
2: Thank
0: you. Oh, my God, fans. Sorry.
3: You really made an impression on us. Joe Bennett, CEO. Oh, you remember these? Oh, Those things are great I love those things Get out Well, well You must feel like the tallest girl at the dance Feels good to be recognized Oh, well, I feel good when you feel good It may seem that I'm trying to play both sides That is because I am Things are sometimes What they seem I took real stones going over Michael's head. He's keeping me down, too. I think you and I have a lot in common, aside from the one gigantic difference. Did you need something, Dwight? Not now, but maybe in the future I will. And when I do, I'd appreciate it if you remembered back to now, when I came in here asking nothing of you. Open or closed. Me and dad is going to be so relaxing. My neighbor had one of these books. Every day they were eating out or getting massages. You just see their driveway. It's as smooth as an aircraft carrier. My costume costs $600. If I had the coupon book, it would have cost 20% less than that,
0: which is why I need that coupon book.
1: A free power boost, that body shakes... Boba bar? That is Boba so is so
0: it. weird. That tapioca? No, 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 it's no. It's not no, weird. It's
1: different. And it's gross. Oh. What's a 100 megabyte MP3 player? Special bonus does not play iTunes. No, no, no.
0: no. no. Come, no. come just on. Good. Just
1: leave for something good. good. Oh, 5% off your next myth Mifflin order. Ask for Stan the Man. <laughs> my work here, why would I need to do that?
0: Wow. It Get something my- good, Oscar. You're not reading them right.
1: Here's a free estimate on carpet cleaning. Pass. <laughs> so, uh, so, like I said, I really thought that first thing was funny. Michael trying to convince people that the plan sucks and instead talks them into it. Uh, shows them how good it is, actually. Uh, Dwight sort of realizes it halfway through. But uh, but still, an Oscars vain attempt to find a usable coupon. <laughs> yep,
2: yeah. You the know, there bo- was enough... S- there was definitely enough stuff in there where if they wanted to make a supersized episode, I could see they left some good quality material on the cutting room floor. That's for sure. Especially in that scene you mentioned with Michael, that being said, I I, I do agree with the cuts. I mean, we got enough of that fence sitting from Dwight in the episode itself. We didn't need another one. So it was all right.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I just, uh, (laughs) uh, I don't know what to think about that whole thing, but, uh, let's go ahead and get on to our next section. Here, Kevin. Now, uh, before we go on to talk about the news, I guess we can take a moment to talk about our sponsors. And, you know, we are sponsored by Audible.com, as is just about every single other podcast in existence. Now, I mean, if you're looking for audiobooks audio books you know, or audio entertainment to help pass the time while you're working out, while you're driving, while you're doing whatever you do during the day, I mean, Audible is a great place to go for that content. It's a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment digital versions of tens of thousands of audiobooks to download to your computer phone what have you um, go to audiblepodcast.com slash she said and you can get a free one credit audiobook download when you sign up now how does that help us I, I get to be honest with you um, you know like I said we get ten dollars as a flat fee for everyone that signs up and unfortunately <laughs> with the economy and with everything else that's been going on, uh, we're not getting barely anything coming in for the podcast through Audible. So what I've done uh, to help that out a little bit is, if you can, I put up a PayPal donate button on the TWSS podcast website. So for everyone that's said, you know, oh, I've already subscribed to Netflix, I already subscribed to audio, you know, audio. Au- Already subscribed to Audible.com? What else is there I can do to try to help you out? Uh, just go to the web page, you know, click on the donate button. You can cl- donate whatever amount you want. Credit cards, you can pay whatever currency that you have. I think that is fine, and that will definitely, definitely help us out. So, uh, pretty empty, pretty empty in our advertising dollars these years. So that's one way you can help out. AudiblePodcast.com/slash. She said. Another way you can help out or go through our link on the webpage and buy anything from Amazon. We'll get a couple of percentage points back on that. So definitely we would appreciate any help you can give.
0: Uh, any messages? Yeah, just a fax.
1: Oh, Amazon is from corporate.
0: How many know, times have I-, I told you that there's a special filing cabinet for things from corporate? You have to. Call the waste paper basket. <laughs> <laughs> Did we get a fax this morning? Yeah. Uh, yeah, why didn't uh, want to get it
4: you put it in the garbage cabinet that was a special filing cabinet
0: yeah uh, that was a joke <laughs>
1: well kevin you talked about this before so why don't you go ahead and start us off with another speculation
2: yeah i thought this was a fun kind of an ironic headline cornell writer lobbies for kelly not andy and surely what must seem like a low blow, the Cornell Daily Sun writer thinks that Kelly Kapoor or not Andy Bernard should be the manager of the office when Steve Carell leaves at the end of the season. Scott Eidler wrote, promote Kelly Kapoor, played by genius writer and executive producer Mindy Kaling, to regional manager when Michael leaves. With the exception of Creed Breton, Kelly Kapoor is the most underused character on the show relative to her potential talent. The best... Uh, we've seen of Kelly as her amazing performance as the diva in the webisode music video titled Subtle Sexuality. Her personality is quirky, insecure, and pop culture obsessed. In other words, completely real in the same vein as Michael. Her recent comp- uh, Her recent completion of Minority Executive Training Program at Yale for the company makes her, on surface, qualified to lead the office. That could lead to some interesting commentary on corporate America. She says you guys, I'm like really smart now, you don't even know, you could ask me what's the largest corporation in America, and I'd be like, blah, 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 blah give you the exact correct answer. Um, the answer, the girl version of Michael Scott. <laughs> well, So, of course, uh, Kayleen's contract is up at the end of the year as well. She's certainly likely to have some opportunities. Um, you know, I, I didn't put a lot of stock into this concept, in, but... You know, There is some sensibility here that I think would be similar to Michael in this regard. Uh,
1: I I think I've already talked about this. I think that's just a horrible idea. I'm not a big Mindy Kaling fan, I guess, in general. So to me, to have her be thrust into the role as being the lead on the show Uh uh, would would be a, a turnoff for me. In fact, Kelly, and maybe it's just the way that it's been chosen to be written because of her split duties between writing and acting on the show... Uh, she actually strikes me as a character that could easily be written out of the show, and I would not miss her at all. So you could,
2: you could write her out pretty easily. It might give Ryan something else to do, which actually would maybe be a plus.
1: Yeah, and Aaron definitely could step up and fill part of that role. So I really, I, I don't know, whatever. Cornell guy, good luck to you. I, uh, not what I'm looking for. And speaking of which, Rain Wilson, now this could also be a boondoggle. I'm getting kind of sick of all this stuff. Uh, Rain Wilson steps up and just flat out says that Dwight won't be the manager. In a digital spy article, Rain Wilson also addressed the forthcoming changes to the office. He said, I know they've been interviewing a lot of people for the position of the boss. Uh, he then joked, they reached out to Dame Judi Dench last week, Queen Latifah, Nick Nolte, and Ice-T or Ice Cube, can't remember. Uh, there's a lot of options out there on the table. One scenario that Wilson ruled out completely is his character Dwight taking over as the Scranton Branch regional manager. Quote, Dwight could never become the boss because he would just fire everybody in the office. It just wouldn't work out. It'd be episode one, season eight. You're all fired. Roll credits. The end. Goodbye. Good night, everybody. That would actually be a kind of a funny season finale or a series finale finale. Like, not necessarily Season 8, but uh, if they wanted to end it at the end of Season 7, <laughs> you know, that you find out right at the end that Dwight takes over and then everyone's fired and then it's the credits.
2: <laughs> well, that would be a funny episode to have everyone be fired and then have him trying to do all the jobs at once. Just a whole episode of him trying to run around, and do everything, Yeah, and maybe maybe... You know, recruit one or two people back into the office to (laughs) help him or something. Customer service. Yeah. I actually, as much as I don't want Dwight to be the the manager, that actually would be a pretty good episode. (laughs) Um, One thing I want to ask you, Matt, uh, we talked about, uh, as mentioned, the webisode for such sexual, subtle sexuality. And then this week we had the third floor webisodes. Uh, Do you remember back in the old days when webisodes were special? And we actually got excited about them, and they were doled out a week <laughs> at a time to keep us interested over a period of time. Well, last week we had the third floor episode, and we got all three parts on the same day. I mean, that was good because it was Halloween-themed. Uh, did you take a look at it? What would you think?
1: You know what? To be honest, I haven't even watched it yet. So as far as I remember when they were special, uh-huh. uh, I do. And actually, <laughs> I guess I've kind of slipped past that point yet. So I have not
2: seen it yet. It was, it was funny, but um, yeah, I think a little less frequency would go a long way to making them a little bit more special. Well, if you can't get enough of our brilliant insights, you can follow Matt and me on Twitter. That's twitter.com slash summermatt and twitter.com slash crossman. And if you'd prefer to not get any personal information, just dedicated That's What She Said content, you can go to twitter.com slash podcast. And remember to go to nbc.com slash the office for Twitter accounts for cast and crew and characters
1: yeah if you uh, if, if you don't want to be offended by any political screeds or anything I would highly recommend not following my Twitter feed these next few days um, <laughs> <laughs> just looked at the election results here in my home state and i'm uh, I'm not a happy camper so that, uh, that might be reflected in my tweets, Kevin. All right,
2: fair
1: <laughs> enough. All right, let's talk about the next new episode. Uh, it is called Christening, and yet another Jim and Pam baby-centric episode. Uh, it's directed by a guy named Alex Hardcastle, who has not directed any previous Office episodes. However, he has directed another hot comedy that's going on right now, and I haven't seen this, but... I've heard good things about it. The Increasingly Poor Decisions of Todd Margaret, starring uh, David Cross. I don't know, have you caught that show yet at all?
2: I have not. I'm not a big David Cross fan.
1: Well, uh, I guess we'll have to see what kind of a job he does. It's also written by another total office virgin, a guy named Peter Acco, who uh, his credits actually go all the way back to the late 80s or early 90s. Uh, Worked on a show that I used to like called Parker Lewis Can't Lose. Uh, Mm. A few other shows over the last 15, 20 years or so. So this is his first stab. He's been on the credits as a producer since the beginning of season seven. But this is his first Office episode. So we'll see how these guys play out. (laughs)
0: There are certain things a boss does not share with his employees, his salary, his bed. And I am not going to tell them that I'll be reading their emails. I got to erase a lot of stuff.
3: Just so you know, if you have any sensitive emails, they need to be deleted immediately. I know a lot of stuff.
1: All right. A little bit of feedback on that's what She said episode one Oh two. Um, Dwight called Jim a jock hipster. I said that was a perfect word to describe Jim. Brandon apparently disagreed. He said jock equals big dude, plays ball, gets chicks. Hipster equals skinny dude, skinny jeans, looks like a chick. Jock hipster equals oxymoron. Jim's look at the camera equals punchline. Now, I, I again, I'm sorry. Jim is a jock. He played basketball. He was a big jock nerd. Uh, And he is a hipster, so I still think that fits.
2: All right, fair enough. (laughs) Well, uh, Bill from the Where Icarus Flies podcast wrote in, I really liked The Sting. It had some of the old office comedy timing back, well-written jokes, great delivery, Michael doing what he does best, screwing things up in a well-meaning way. The line about Packer in the field at the end was a gem. For me, my favorite episode of the season, it wasn't trying to be glitzy or pretentious. I really enjoyed it. Hmm. Kevin, you know want to comment was, about that? I don't know that it wasn't trying to be a little bit pretentious about that stuff. But
1: Best right. episode of the season, Bill.
2: Best well, episode no, of the season. He said favorite. That's <laughs> slightly different. But, yeah.
1: uh, you're splitting hairs. All right, Karen from North Carolina said, What is up with Jim? I agree, he's been taking his job seriously since the golf course episode and Ryan is the boss. And then in this episode, he wants his life to stay the same? Doesn't agree with him wanting to be a salesman to make more money? Also, no irony in his demeanor as he joins with Dwight in a prank. He was his normal ironic self on the sales call, but it seemed to vanish into nowhere. I must be the only one who didn't know who the guest star was, so this guy, Timothy Oliphant, wasn't jarring to me. And yes... He was really handsome, especially with his suit jacket off.
2: Well, I guess we can't complain about (laughs) somebody who's drooling over the star of The Office, can we? (laughs) (laughs) Nope. All right. Well, let's get some feedback on this week's episode, Costume Contest. Ray wrote, I don't think this was the best episode this season, but I liked Michael as McRuber and Stanley as the Samurai. The callback to the Scranton Strangler was good, but the actual plot points with Jim and Pam and even Michael and Daryl plot seemed weak. Really? I don't know that I'd call them weak.
1: Um, Well, Jim and Pam stuff we said was kind of weak, but it ended well. Um, The Michael and Daryl stuff, again, I thought sort of ended kind of in a wishy washy way. So I don't know. I'll agree with Ray there. All right. All right. And Phil wrote in and said. (laughs) Angela's costume Angela's costume Angela's costume so what else needs to be said
2: (laughs) you missed the exclamation points (laughs)
1: sorry it's a whole
2: different context Angela's
1: costume Angela's costume (laughs)
2: Angela's costume there you go all right all right Emily wrote love the episode but where was Meredith in an episode where every character plays a part her absence was very obvious but other than that uh, nitpick a very funny Halloween episode of The Office. Yep, yeah, everyone's got their favorite, so when they're not there, it shows. <laughs> well, it is, again, it's kind of weird. It
1: wasn't really explained as far as why why Meredith and Andy had coinciding costumes and, and all that kind of stuff. That would have been interesting, at least, to to bring that up to some mm-hmm. degree. All right, well, Kathy wrote in and said, I know you don't want to see it, Matt, but it sure looks like they are grooming Daryl to take over The Office. It would make Gabe totally pointless but I'm hoping they will keep him on as Dunder Mifflin's resident drag queen. So, <laughs> yeah, I guess we'll we'll see. We'll see.
2: A little sarcasm there from Kathy. <laughs> I hope she's not being serious. Um, so Archie, we got a Matt. We got a, a letter from across the pond, as they say, from Archie. Hi, Matt and Kevin. Just wanted to let you know that. You have listeners across the pond. I'm from London, England, and this is my favorite podcast about my favorite show. And uh, by the way, he spelled favorite with an O-U, so you can tell.
1: <laughs> you know he's from England, yep. Yeah.
2: <laughs> this episode was great, though I think that Dwight should have been used more. I'm glad to see Gabe in a more authoritative role, and of course Angela in a sexy nurse costume. Not sure if I'm liking Timothy Olyphant's character. Hope to see him go soon. Hope you guys can keep going on the podcast. Hopefully, my donation will help. All right. So, do you donate to the podcast there, Matt?
1: Uh, I don't know. My PayPal balance still says zero right now. So, I don't know. Maybe I need to. Maybe I did something wrong, but I'll have to check that out. But anyway, Archie, thank you for the thought. Uh, Hopefully, it'll go through. Um, I kind of messed with him, I think, in the chat room and said that uh, I thought all British people hated the American office. But Mm. uh, apparently not. (laughs) Fair enough. All right. Well, uh, apparently Kevin picked this as our listener feedback of the week. Uh, Sinwan, sorry if I'm saying that wrong, on iTunes left a review and said, that's what she said is the perfect accompaniment to The Office – Inside details, spoilers, it analyzes things, gives background information, all at your fingertips. And the enjoyable banter between the always hilarious Matt and Kevin will bring small smiles to your face throughout your mundane day. Matt, the lovable curmudgeon, that's me, and Kevin, the youthfully excited fanboy, that's you, will give you two takes on this week's episode in a relatable but in-depth way. The more obsessed you are with The Office, the more you'll love these guys as much as I do. The only negative thing, uh-oh, I can think you, <laughs> the only negative thing I can leave you with is that the curmudgeon opinion of things often wins out with these two. So I guess I just dominate over you, Kevin, most of the time with my grumpiness. He gives us a 5 out of 5 stars. So thank you, Sin Juan, uh, for your wonderful review.
2: Yeah, that might be the last time I've ever referred to as a youthful fanboy, so I had to make sure that we included it here.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Kevin, who is, by the way, older than me, so it doesn't work. But that's about going to do it for us this week. Join us in a week or so for Episode 104, Christening. Send any comments or constructive compliments to twsspodcast at gmail.com and visit the show blog page at twsspodcast.com. If you have a chance, please leave positive feedback on iTunes, spread the word in various the office-related forums. Every little bit helps. Music for the episode was provided by Music Alley from Mavio. Check it out at musicalley.com. And remember to head on over to nbc.com/slash theoffice during the week for additional deleted scenes, interviews, episode recaps, cast blogs, and more. Uh, for Kevin Crossman. I am Matt Summer, and we are out of here to probably the most hackiest, predictable outro song we've ever played.
3: I was working in the lab late one night when my eyes beheld an eerie sight: for my monster from his slab began to rise, and suddenly, to my surprise, he did the match. He did the monster match. It was a graveyard smash. He did the mash. It
1: caught on in a flash. He did the
2: mash. He did the monster. Ah,
1: uh, classic.
2: <laughs> hey, did you see my tweet about Monster Mash? Ah,
1: uh, no, I did not.
2: Yeah, I said it was one of the most overplayed songs. <laughs>
1: Well, it would have made more sense if I would have seen that and played it anyway, just to get you mad. But no, No. like I said,
2: it's not a a bad song. Just like you were saying, overplayed. (laughs)
1: Most hackneyed, overplayed Halloween song pretty much ever.
2: All right. Well, it's a good way to end the Halloween season on November 2nd.